new drive with Goodman and Fry. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. seconds to go. Up it comes to the line. Colorado has won the Stanley Cup. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome Afternoon Drive on a Championship Monday. Goodman Fry, watch us, MileEyeSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, Go to rmfp.com. It is hard to believe five years ago, the Avalanche were the worst team in the NHL, and I say that by far. And five years later, they win a Stanley Cup, and if I heard it correctly and I read it correctly, they finished tied for the most wins in NHL history. The amazing thing about that 2016-17 season, it's even worse than it appeared on paper, the 48 points because they were scraping the top of the salary cap. That's really, really hard to do. Yeah, They were cognizant of the ne- necessity to uh, pair payroll while rebuilding and also getting, getting it better. An unbelievable moment for the Avalanche organization, an unbelievable moment for the city of Denver, the state of Colorado. It's been a long time, at least it feels like it's been a long time since a championship has been won here. I know we only have to go back to 2015. I think for years we have expected this to happen, and yesterday was the day. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. Jerry, I think I can speak for both of us. We have been journalists for decades and decades and decades, and we try and separate ourselves from the teams, trying to be as unbiased as possible. But you and I both agree on one point. We both root for people. And when you're watching the clock tick down, when you're watching Landis God get the cup, when you're watching him hand it off to Eric Johnson, when you see Joe Sackick raise the cup, what were your emotions watching all of it? It was, it was like watching a giddy bunch of kids realizing a childhood dream, that they reverted back to that childhood. They reverted back to their first steps on the ice. They reverted back to maybe having an ice sheet in their backyard. All, all these things. They seem like little kids again. Didn't, didn't it seem to you as if you yes. were watching little kids? It, it, I think Kale McCarr said, you know, growing up, uh, posters of the Stanley Cup in my bedroom. And all of these kids dream. And I say kids because they're all much younger than us. But all of these players dream about this moment when they are playing pond hockey, when they are playing in juniors or college or playing in the NHL. And you look at Cogliano, all the games that he has played. And it's interesting to me, the reverence and respect this team, these group of players had for their veterans. We knew Eric Johnson was going to get the cup second. We knew that. And actually it was said after the game that Landis Gog said to Eric Johnson years ago, if we ever win the cup, mm-hmm. you're getting the cup next. They had the lockers next to each other at one point. And they're best friends. With that, 
Cogliano got the cup third. Well, I think, and, and I honestly, I thought it would be Makar, the Con Smythe winner, was way down the list. I don't think anybody really minded that though. It was obviously a thought out process. If you look at Cogliano and Eric Johnson, they're both thirty five years old, and they've both been in the NHL for fifteen seasons. Eric Johnson had to sit out a complete season with a knee injury very early in his career at St. Louis, so that skews the figure a little bit. But these guys, those guys were like 15, 16 years old when the Avalanche won, last won the Stanley Cup. And people forget just how pervasive the Avalanche's reach was in sports and hockey fandom back then. That was such a right. Hall of Fame team getting off the bus that it, was, that it was part of their childhood. And so, yes, I think in some ways this is an honoring the legacy of that Sackick to Bork handoff in 2001 and these guys understanding that uh, they were paying homage a little bit to that tradition. And in this case, I think they they were, it wasn't just a seniority, seniority system. It was like, who are we going to honor? And there's a difference necessarily between kind of pro forma. Uh, let's see who's who's got the most seniority here. It was more like the guys who've paid their dues and let's give them their, let's give them their homage. I get that. But I want to go back to the Miracle on Ice team in 1980 and the 1996 women's U.S. national team. Both of those teams had something in common. The head coach of the U.S. Olympic hockey team, Herb Brooks, <laughs> while, the, while those guys were going through training camp, said, I'm going to bring in some fresh blood. And the guys protested and said, no, we have been through this war this training camp together, we are bonded like brothers. You are not going to bring anybody else. Eruzioni. Yep. Tara Vanderveer did the same exact thing publicly with the U.S. women's national basketball team. After everything those women went through, she publicly said, we might need to bring in some new players. And she singled out Rebecca Lobo saying she might not be the one to really stick on this team. We have to bring in new blood. And all of those women said, you are not bringing in anybody new. We are bonded as a group. So if you think about what a lot of these guys on this Avalanche team, specifically the guys who were here five years ago, and I hope I'm not forgetting anybody, Landiscott and Johnson and McKinnon and Rantanen and Comfort, yes, right? Are those the five. five? Okay. Everybody always forgets Comfort, not because they don't recognize him and realize he's still on the team roster, but they don't realize he was with them that far back. Right. So you had you know new players throughout the last five years come in. And I understand that because that is going to happen to a roster. There is going to be changeover, but you bring in a guy like Cogliano at the trade deadline. He didn't play a lot of games for this team. <laughs> and that's why I'm bringing it up. He wasn't part of that core five. He wasn't part of getting knocked out in the second round three years in a row. He wasn't part of a four or five in one start. He came late to the party, but the reverence they showed him, Respectful recognition is how I would put it. Yeah. And he was an injection of leadership in the dressing room and on the ice, and they recognized that by 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 uh, honoring him with the passing of the cup that high in the sequence. And he uh, he was just a tremendous leader. I don't think anybody did you. I don't think I had no idea that that's what they were getting. To be perfectly honest with you, I really didn't. I know he was a. He had, this was his first year at San Jose and they, he brought, they brought him in for leadership there. And I, I imagine that in the conversations 
with Joe Sackick, the realization was this guy's a really, really a leader and he might be able to help you. He's only making a million dollars. That's the other thing that people don't understand. No. Well, he's not considered a top line guy. No. He's a grinder. But he came in and he said, you know, the one of them, I know I've recognized and talked about this before, but he came in and I thought the most interesting thing that he said off the bat was, I was really impressed that these guys don't play soccer in the hallway. Right. That's a guy who was serious about the craft, about professionalism, and came in and took the fourth line role and really contributed there. Did you notice there was one shift in, in the middle of the third period last night, I think roughly in the middle of the third period, where the fourth line just dominated Tampa Bay. Right. Had the puck down at that, had the puck down at that offensive end for about, it seemed like a minute. I don't know how long it was. Right. And I thought that kind of set the tone that they were going to hold on and win. Right. Was there a moment during these playoffs that made you think, you know what? I think this team can finish the job. Oh, absolutely. It was, it was Nazem Kadri's overtime goal in game four. Put them up three games to one. It was a guy who really was playing hurt. It was very clear. The Avalanche did not get 100% out of Nazem Kadri right. after he returned from the from the broken thumb. Right. And he clearly just wanted, he wanted to play badly. He was probably shot up and he, he, contri- he didn't contribute as much, uh, on intangible effects as what he contributed intangibly by being out there and then scoring the goal in overtime. For me, it was game five against St. Louis in which they had a three to one lead going into the third period. The blues tie it. Jordan Cairo scores a goal with about five minutes to go in the third period. And then you have that miraculous, unbelievable highlight type goal from Nathan McKinnon with, with a, with a little, with about three minutes to go in the game. And then Robert Thomas ties it with less than a minute to go in the abs losing overtime. That's a game they should have won. And that's a game in which they played not to lose. Mm-hmm. They played a prevent defense. In contrast and, to what they did in the third period last night. Correct. Correct. And there were, there was a moment during the Edmonton game in which apparently they learned from that mistake. And I remember being on the air with you, I said, you know what? Sometimes as a head coach, you need a teaching moment. You need a teachable moment. I said, this is it for them. And they found themselves in a very similar position at least a couple of more times as the playoffs went on, and they didn't make the same mistake twice. To me, that was the turning point. That was the defining moment of these playoffs moving forward after that loss. Okay, I'll take the Kadri goal in overtime. You can have the Kadri goal. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a debate. I'm saying that's what I feel. To me, that that put them over the hump that now they know mm-hmm. what they need to do because they played, listen, they had a lot of come from behind victories. I understand that. I think they had like 10, but they played with the lead a lot as well. And sometimes playing with the lead is harder than playing from behind. It's harder to be the one being, it's harder to be the team um, being chased than being the chaser. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Okay. With that, Darcy Kemper. We had a lot of conversations about him, not only at the beginning of the playoffs, but certainly as we went into the Stanley Cup final, as he, you know, head-to-head, if that's what you want to call it, with Andre Vasilevsky. Now, in hindsight, looking back at Darcy Kemper, was it was he like Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson, they won in spite of him, or is he better than people thought he would be? We'll talk about that next. I've made a few. I've had my Go! 
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Pinnacle Builders. If you are looking for a major remodel, don't do it yourself. Work with my guy, Ed Goldigger, with Pinnacle Builders. He started Pinnacle after being trained in the Army as a carpenter and a mason. He has built a business over three decades, and he has the premier remodeling company in Denver by far. So whether it's high-end basements, bathrooms, kitchens, you want to do custom counters, cabinets, something outside, you need to work with the best. I'm talking about Pinnacle Builders. They are so confident in their work, and this is a big thing. You're going to get a two-year warranty on all their work. The other contractors out there, they're going to give you a one-year warranty. Hmm. Why is that? They're going to give you two because they're that confident in their work. Remodel today with Pinnacle Builders at PinnacleDen.com, the best in home remodeling. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have over 600 five-star reviews? No one has better service, and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. You and I had a lot of conversations going into the playoffs and certainly going into the Stanley Cup final about Darcy Kemper. With that, his final numbers overall throughout the entire playoffs, 10-4, and 2.57 goals against average, and his save percentage was a tick over 90%. That's the Mendoza line. Cap? Or the Hardy Astrum line, as we like to put it in Denver. Cap. So... He barely made it over the Astrum line. Okay. I think it depends on how you choose to look at it. To me, if you lose a game, it doesn't matter to me if you lose 10 to 1. I agreed. It's irrelevant. I agreed. A loss is a loss. How are you doing in those wins? Now, if you want to take game one against the Edmonton Oilers and the Avalanche win that game 8 to 6, yeah, they he, won the game, but he was awful. He gave out three goals and it was hurt. Right. But let's say he played the whole game. And he gave up six goals. Sometimes you can have, in baseball, five great starts. And in one game, you give up 13 runs, and suddenly your ERA goes way up there. Who's going to leave you in for 13 runs? You understand my point. Yes. Okay, you understand my point. So let me give you some other numbers just to chew on for a minute. Okay, We talked about the head-to-head battle between he and... And Vasilevsky, who I think most reasonable people would say is the best goaltender on the planet. In three of the four wins against Tampa, three of the four, and you only need four, but in three of the four, his goals against average is .88. He was solid in games two, four, and six. His goals against average was .88, period. End of story. His goals against average was .88. And that's not disputable because those are facts. But you're Ed- saying that you're saying that game to game doesn't matter, and then you're citing these statistics for specific. To me, games. it's it's what you do in those wins. Like yesterday, he gave up one goal in a win. He outdueled Vasilevsky, right? He's got twenty three shots. Yep. Okay, he had twenty three shots. You have to save them all, or you have to save most of them. 
Because for a guy, I'm listen, I'm not suggesting he should be ticketed to the Hall of Fame. I'm not suggesting they should take his stick, his glove, or his blocker and put it into the Hall of Fame. I'm not suggesting that at all. He was somewhere in that ordinary territory for the totality of the series. In his 10 wins, in his 10 wins, his goals against average is 1.73. Not arguable. You have a right to your opinion. You don't have a right to your own facts. Those are the facts. In those 10 wins, his goals against average is 1.73, period. I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah, it is. Right. And now Patrick Waugh, throughout an entire playoff series. 1.70. Exactly. So he was far more consistent than Kemper. But at the end of the day, the Avalanche in this playoff series, in this playoff run, lost a total of four games. Kemper was a net for all of them. Waugh was more determined than casual about after a bad game using it to uh, using it to incentivize him for the next game Kemper did that a little bit but not not to the extent that Patrick Waugh did so in, in that sense throwing out your bad game was probably more a measure of what Patrick Waugh did than Darcy Kemper right but I think we're giving Kemper too little credit I'm not saying we should give him a lot of credit I think it's in the gray area okay but I would not call him a Trent Dilfer with the Ravens when they won a Super Bowl. They, they did not win in spite of Darcy Kemper because, honestly, I don't think that's fair. Tampa Bay Buccaneers won a title because of their defense, and Brad Johnson was the quarterback. You can make the case they won in spite of him. I think what we're arguing about is which games do you count and which games do you throw you count out. The, you count the wins, and they lost a total of four games. And you throw out the rest. You throw out the rest for statistical reckoning. And, oh, by the way, Let's also throw something in there that you won't see on the stat sheet. He was injured. But then why was he playing? If well, he had trouble seeing the puck in certain games, he shouldn't have been playing. I'm not sitting here pretending to be a doctor or understand right? the uh, ophthalmology involved. But uh, at some point, there was, especially early in the finals, it was clear that he was having problems seeing the puck. So how much better would he have been if he was fully healthy? I in don't the, know. In those 10 wins, his goals against average is 1.73. I don't know. I mean, you're a hockey guy. I'm a hockey guy. 1.73 is indisputable, period, in 10 wins. It's hard to win 10 games in the playoffs. His goals against average is 1.73 in the Stanley Cup final, in which three of the four wins, his goals, he had one bad game in one of those wins. I'll Fine. Go, that I'll happens. Go, I'll go Point this far. 0.88? I'll go this far. They didn't win in spite of him, despite no. him. They, but they also didn't win because of him. It, it was in that giant gray area between those two extremes. And I'm willing to recognize that he was really good in, in, in three of the six games in the final. Right. And you need to win at least, you need to win four. So he got him there with three, with a goals against average of .88. This is what, not you, this is what anti-Kemper people will say. Well, the, the, it's the Avalanche defense that, that held the, you know, the Tampa the, Bay Lightning to four shots in the third period. It was the You're Avalanche right. defense that held them to four shots in the third period, Eric. They played a terrific game in the third period. Kemper was part of that. You can't separate him and say I he, agree. he isn't part of the team. Yep. So yeah, I'll grant him all of that. And I, I, I guess I, in some ways it's kind of perverse that we're even arguing about this, a team that last night held up the Stanley Cup and with Darcy Kemper an integral part of it. I'll go that far. I think you're mistaking that I'm c completely dismissing him. I'm just saying he was an ordinary, ordinary mediocre goaltender in this, in this playoff run. And also that what didn't happen, and I'm not saying this may, makes the guy a stiff, but Vasilevsky never got, never made that miraculous 
save after save after save game where he was completely into the heads of the avalanche and stole stole the game. He never did that. Okay. If we're going to be fair, if we're going to be fair about this and say the Avs defense was fantastic, generally speaking, in front of Kemper, and I would agree with that, then we also have to say that they gave away the puck to Stamkos where nobody would have made that save. Two times in this series, early on. The first goal? uh, Stamkos was standing right there, nobody on him, right in front. Between his legs. Yeah. Yeah, and I believe we call that a turnover in hockey, don't we? (laughs) Oh, you mean when the puck goes between the goaltender's legs, that's a turnover? well, no, there was a turnover by the defense. Yes, it was. McCarr, how, how, that was McCarr. Right. That was McCarr's how, mistake. He, there, there you go. And he, he came out and admitted it afterwards. And there and we go. Very... That's, that's fine. But the Avs, when they, here, when the Avs made mistakes, Kemper was not able to bail them out. Well, the other thing. And is, I'm with you on that. But it was the only goal he gave up the entire game. The only other thing about it is, I will grant you, I'm, I'm not arguing against myself. I'm being fair and making the argument pervasive. And that is that the goaltender works with the defense, too. Sure. He's pretty good at that. Yep. They found a way to protect him, and when he needed to be good, he was. In his 10 wins, his goals against average was 1.73. In three of the four wins, his goals against average was 0.88. Period. They won with him. They didn't win in spite of him. Right. And that's but, the biggest compliment I can give him, and he was, he was slightly better than mediocre or okay. He was a professional goaltender, in circumstances where usually to win the Stanley Cup, you have to be superlative. He was not superlative. Neither is Vasilevsky. No, I, I just said that. Yep. I'll, I'll grant you that. Yep. Vasilevsky was was good, pretty good. Flashes of the best goaltender in the world. We didn't see the best goaltender in the world steal a series or even steal a game. That's fair. Now, Kemper's an unrestricted free agent. You going to go shopping? I think you let him walk. You know why? Because you've shown you can win with mediocre goaltending. They like Eustace on and then who played up at uh, up at uh, Loveland this year. They like Fr- Fransos. I'm not saying they won't look around and see what else is out there, but but if you're talking about they've got to fit all these guys under the cap. Camper uh, made four point five million dollars this year. Mm-hmm. You know he's not going to take a pay cut. Right. So I would, and they've proven that they don't need to have great goaltending to win. I, I, I think very careful. I think they let him walk. I think they they let him walk with the say very thank you, Darcy. Great service. Nothing personal, but we can't we can't afford you if we want to fit all these all these other guys. Look at all those guys they've got to resign, whether restricted free agents or unrestricted free agents. Potentially, they've got they they can't sign everybody they want to sign. So they, I think the first. The first one you let go is the guy who's making that much money, and it's got to be it's got to be Kemper. I'm not suggesting Kemper should come back, but I am suggesting let's look at back at 2016 for the Denver Broncos when the Broncos won a Super Bowl with their defense, mm-hmm. and John Elway thought, man, if we can win with our defense, we really don't need much of a quarterback, so we'll go with Trevor Simeon. How did that work out? <laughs> That's my point. He felt he could ride his defense, but remember something. You're going to be losing guys on You're going to be losing a lot of guys. You're going to be losing a lot of guys. And do you want to lose Manson? I don't know if I do. He was terrific during these playoffs. Scored well, some also, huge goals. He's also the middle guy. He's kind of the bridge guy between the young defenseman and the old defenseman. I understand. I, I don't mean old, but older, sage veterans. He's kind of in that gray area. I think he's 31, somewhere in there. 
but look at the money you're you're involved with. The guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents or restricted free agents um, top out at Burakovsky making $4.9 million this year. And we'll get more into that late in the second hour. Let's do that, okay? okay. We'll get far more into free agency and who, who should the Avs think about bringing back, who should they let walk, because every single guy who is an unrestricted free agent played a major role in winning the Stanley Cup. And I don't think any reasonable person would argue that. Coming up after the break, a Rocky Mountain Forest product shout-out question. The Avalanche already favorites to win the Stanley Cup next season. So, who has the best chance to win a title next in Denver? Is it the Avalanche? Maybe the Broncos? How about the Nuggets? With a couple of guys coming back, MPJ and Jamal Murray with a two-time MVP. With all due respect to the Rockies, I'm not going to put them in the equation. So, if you believe it's the Avalanche, who has the second best chance? That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda. Or find them at sthmazda.com. Okay, every Monday on the show, we do the Rocky Mountain Forest product shout-out question to our guys Ty, Calcade, and Evan from the Just Us Guys podcast, and here is the question for you guys. Avalanche are favorites to win the Stanley Cup next season. They've already been listed by Vegas as the favorites. So, Avalanche, Broncos, Nuggets, Rockies. Which team has the best chance to win the next title in Denver? I don't don't have to scratch my head very much about that. It's the Avalanche. I would agree. I would agree. Let's see who they bring back. Let's see how this team is constructed. But then again... Joe Sackick has proven that he has been able to adjust on the fly during the offseason and during the trade deadline. So I have very little doubt in what Joe Sackick can do. So the question is, which team has the second best chance? Well, of course, it comes down to whether you believe that if MPJ and and uh, Jamal, Murray. Jamal Murray are quickly injected into the lineup next season and are integral parts of a great improvement, and they can win a championship. I'm going to be naive and say that despite the uh, addition of Russell Wilson, it is that it is the Nuggets. If everything goes right, they could win a championship. You're talking about the Nuggets? Yes. Yeah. I don't think they win a championship next. I think it's the Broncos because they have their That much faith in Russell Wilson? I do. Yeah. I mean, he's still a young guy. You could tell the way he has galvanized the guys in that locker room. Uh, you can tell it's a different mentality that they actually believe that they can win a Super Bowl. And I love Jokic, but I think there are two, there's a huge question mark around Michael Porter Jr. and his health. Jamal Murray, <clears throat> I think he is becoming more consistent, which is great. We know Aaron Gordon is a terrific defensive player, 
uh, but they're going to have to be in the luxury tax for a very long time. And I don't know who they bring in as a free agent that's really going to make that big of a difference. Let's wait to see what Booth does, but they need a lot more defense. So right now it's TBD with the Nuggets. Let's see who they bring in defensively to help. I like their draft pick of Brown, but then again, he's a rookie, and we know that Michael Malone doesn't like to play rookies a lot. Let's see what kind of defensive help they choose to bring in. Guys, what do you think? And what do you think? I think if everything goes perfect, it's going to take that alignment of the planets for the Nuggets to win a championship. But I still think they have more chance than the Broncos. I think for all the faith being expressed in Russell Wilson and his leadership charisma, I think they're a long way away. I don't think they're a long way away. I know you do because I think you predicted they'd finish 9-8. and eight. My concern... No, I think I said 8-9. Eight 8-9, and nine, but... nine, either way. Well, um, I think my problem is with the Broncos winning a Super Bowl is the AFC and getting out of it. My concern isn't the guys on this roster. My concern is all the quarterbacks in that conference and, quite frankly, the quarterbacks in that division. I think the Raiders, who have already made the playoffs, right? They made it mm-hmm. last year. If Josh McDaniels has had a lobotomy and a complete personality <laughs> overhaul, and all indications are he has, and he is a brilliant offensive mind, and all of that offensive talent. He's that, he's that comatose that he's had a lobotomy? I believe so. How can you be a good football coach if you're uh, the guy in... Uh, I'm sorry. He, flew over the he had electric shock therapy, oh, okay. my bad, to completely forget about who he used to be. Then you still have Andy Reid in the division, Mm -hmm. and then you have Justin Herbert. And that's just the division. My concern is the division in the AFC, not what the Broncos have on the roster. I believe that the, and it's all ifs, really, with the Broncos wide receivers. Mm -hmm. And I get it, but let's be honest. It was a lot of ifs with Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker and Julius Thomas. Patrick Sutton and Judy. No. I'm going back to 2012 okay. when they were playing with Orton oh, okay. and Tebow, and they weren't putting up big numbers. Then again, they didn't have a quarterback in Orton or Tim Tebow. Now they do have a quarterback. So I think their numbers will be better. I think this offense will be better. Let me put this qualifier in there. I think both the Nuggets and the Broncos are almost infinite, infinitesimally uh, odds stacked against them winning a championship. I think... The Nuggets, it's stacked against them because of who they are. I think for the Broncos, it's stacked against them because of the division and the conference they play in, not because of what they have on the mm-hmm. roster. That's why I give the Broncos the edge. But neither one of them is going to do it. I don't know. I, I, listen, Russell Wilson, I think, is a great quarterback. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's who they have on the roster, a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm sitting here smiling because you didn't include the Rockies. We don't, we have not seriously spoke of the possibilities of the Rockies having another October and lightning striking and a, and a miracle. How much time do you want to waste talking about this? Okay, we're done. Good. So let's talk about the two teams that have a chance. Okay. Uh, again, they're they're un, they're under five hundred. They're not playing good baseball. They're not worth my time. And Chris Bryant's about right. Is just, that's good. He's so, about ready to come back. That's right, and I think that's a good thing. And now let's see what happens. But they've been wildly inconsistent this year. Listen. Uh, we will talk about them when they're playing better. But what should we really say when they're not playing well? Should we just k- keep beating them down? I mean, what's the point? I mean, honestly, when let's you, go have a beer on the party deck. And that's a great thing because those are two different budgets. Yeah. Those are two different budgets. 
So one, the building the party deck. Don't don't blame the product on the field because of a party deck. There is a baseball. Uh, I'm getting you to talk about baseball. Well, there is a baseball payroll, and then there is a business payroll. Yes. Two totally different things. One has nothing to do with the other. But you know what? It's a much more enjoyable place to go. Yes, it is. I mean, where would you rather go, honestly? Would you rather go to an Avs game, a Nuggets game, a Rockies game, or a Broncos game? All the teams being equal. Well, that'd be the baseball part. There you go. That, it's a, it's an overall experience. I couldn't agree more. All right, what do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? Well, we had a big birthday in uh, Colorado sports over the weekend. It was it was really on Friday, but Terry left early. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, so we're going to talk about the birthday we missed and some boxing. Uh, that'll be on the other side right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. And bad mistakes I've made a few I've had my Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman and Fry. Watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Earlier in the show, I told you about Pinnacle Builders and my guy and my friend and the owner, Ed Goldinger. Man, you need some done to your house. You want to work with the best. He can take care of all of it. High-end basements, bathrooms, kitchens. You want custom counters done? They can take care of it. Cabinets. You want to do some outdoors? They do everything with that. Ed, how are you, my friend? Eric, how are you, bud? I am great. This is the first time you are joining us on the show, and I think it's important that our listeners and our viewers at MileHighSports.com understand your background in the Army, how you learned your craft in the Army, why you started your business, and what your business is all about. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I uh, I started as a an airborne air assault carpenter, as uh, of all things. I uh, I was in the Army for seven years. Uh, trained as a carpenter while I was in, uh, knowing that I wanted to translate something to the civilian life when I got out. And uh, and here we are. I, ended up, I was stationed in Denver for uh, almost three of my seven years and decided I would come right back here when I was done. So when you have a business that is 33 years going strong, clearly you are doing something more right than all of the other guys who don't last in this business. What kind of things are you doing that the other guys just can't get done? You know, I'm more cognizant of what the other guys are doing wrong than I am of what, uh, what I'm doing right all the time. It's, uh, there are plenty of bad apples out there that are giving uh, a lot of people bad names. So I try to be in that, in that category and uh, go forward with uh, thinking about my clients. Okay, something else I love about what you guys do. You give a two-year warranty on all of your work. Everybody else gives a one-year warranty, and I'm thinking, why are they only one when you're saying, I'll do it for two, and I'm guessing it's because you know you're doing it right and the right way. It is. Uh, when, you stand, when you know what you're doing, you, you uh, stand behind your work. 
So what kind of things can you do? Listen, do it yourselfers. At the end of the day, you're probably going to make mistakes, right? That's why you hire a pro. That's why you work with you and Pinnacle Builders. What kind of things can you do to people's homes to make it feel like home? You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a Class B licensed um, uh, a contractor. So that means I can do anything. Uh, that includes commercial. Um, the idea is that I can do anything. I can, do, I can build your brand new home. I can augment the existing home. I can put a basement in. I can take a kitchen out. We can, there are just, the, the possibilities are, are simply endless. And you and I had lunch recently. And you, to, and you told me that you work with Rocky Mountain Forest Products because they sell wholesale, right? They yep. sell wholesale. So what does that do for all your clients? They, it certainly, yeah, it takes the price down as, possible, as much as we possibly can. In the current climate, it's just there's not a lot of avoiding the fact that uh, things have gotten more expensive. And I'm guessing you work with a lot of wood, so not only are you getting the best product out there because they deal directly with the mills, you get the best product, but then you're able to pass that savings along to your clients. You probably do that with all of your, for lack of a better phrase, um, people that you work with to make sure the price is as low as possible. I do. I endeavor to be that. I, you're never going to find me to be your cheapest option. You're never going to find me to be your most expensive option. Um, I'm typically going to fall right in that center center spot. How do people get a hold of you, Ed? Uh, 303-999-8841 is our phone number. Catch us on uh, catch us online at Pinnacle, P-I-N-N-A-C-L-E-D-E-N.com. 303-999-8841. Again, that number if you want to reach Ed and his team at Pinnacle Builders, 303-999-8841. Or go to PinnacleDen.com. That's PinnacleDen.com. I can promise you they are the best in home remodeling. Ed, I know that you've been going through some health issues. Real quick, how are you feeling? I feel a lot better. Thank you. Good. All right. We'll talk soon. Have a great day, my man. Have a great day, sir. See you, pal. Time now for the final word. The final word. Is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, happy belated birthday to uh, Colorado-born boxer Jack Dempsey, who held the world heavyweight boxing title from July 1919 to September 1926. The Manassa Mauler won 62 of 84 bouts, 51 by knockout. Uh, Eric, you're a big boxing fan. Terry, you actually wrote a story on Dempsey. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share on Jack Dempsey, Colorado's uh, biggest and best boxer? For that story in 2007 for the Denver Post, I went down to Manassas there in the San Luis Valley and explored Manassas. It didn't take very long. There's only populations, only about 900. Right. But it's where he grew up. And he was the world boxing champion for for uh, seven years at a time when the world heavyweight boxing champion was the most famous athlete in the world. And so he was the most famous athlete in the world. And then you go, you leave there and you go to New York and you see and hear about the famous Dempsey's restaurant and how he was kind of the king of Times Square. So, but he's still known as the Manasseh Mahler paying homage to Colorado. And it's funny when people talk about the greatest athletes to come out of the state of Colorado. People will mention Roy Halladay, Goose Gossage, of course, 
Byron Wizard White. Uh, obviously, Chauncey Billups is going to be on the list. So is Amy Van Dyken, Missy Franklin, Dave Logan. Glenn Morris, the 1936 decathlon champion. Somebody wrote a book about. Yeah. Uh, Jack Dempsey's on top of that list. He's on top of the list. I uh, I got a great kick out of exploring his life and his, his, his time as the heavyweight champion. And also in the same story, connected story, I did, I wrote about, uh, I wrote about others, other athletes from that area. So it was a lot of fun to do. So other than Dempsey, who's a great figure, who are some of your uh, favorite boxers all time? Well, it's got to be Muhammad Ali. He's the, the guy I talked to who, after growing up being a Muhammad Ali fan, the guy who I talked to in my professional life, I couldn't I couldn't get a word out. It was humana, humana, humana. Well, everyone's going to pick, and you, you have a right to your opinion because it's hard not to love Muhammad Ali for the way he stood up socially, mm-hmm. uh, the way he came back from, what, a three-and-a-half-year hiatus. For me, I loved Marvin Hagler. I just loved that guy. You didn't like the decision in the in the Not Leonard at all, because fight, he won the you? fight. Because he won the fight. Uh, point is, I think people tend to overlook the everyone talks about the three fights between Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali I'll give you a better duo than those two and very unless you're a boxing fan I think I know who you're going to say go ahead tell me Hagler Hearns nope not even close it's the greatest trilogy in the history of boxing by far and there's no and there's not a close second I'm all apologies to Frazier and Ali it is Arturo Gotti and Mickey Ward, which it was a blood sport in those three fights. When if was you that? Have, if you have never seen them, go watch them. And it was action nonstop. It was, it is the greatest rivalry, in my opinion, in the history of boxing if you just watch the bouts. Incredible. Incredible. Will you think less of me if I say I didn't see them? That's okay. Not a lot of people watch Gotti against Ward. That's okay. Everybody remember, because remember, when you look at those guys, they weren't like top flight champions, right? They weren't Sugar Ray Leonard. They weren't Hearns. They weren't Hagler. They weren't Ali. They weren't Frazier. But they were two brawlers in the ring together. Go YouTube any of the fights, Mm -hmm. and it is nonstop action where these guys are beating the hell out of each other. It is, it is breathtaking to watch these guys fight each other. Okay, appointment viewing. I've got it, it in my book. It is appointment viewing for sure. Seriously, go watch. You don't have to watch the first fight or the second fight. Or the third. They're all the same. <laughs> They're all the same. Are you familiar with this rivalry? I'm familiar with the movie The Fighter, which is a Mark Wahlberg right. vehicle about Mickey Ward. Right. And it's a great, great film. It's an un. You're right. It's an unbelievable film. It's more. It's as much about Mickey Ward as it is about his brother, who had major drug problems. But go watch Mickey Ward and Arturo Gotti fight, and you'll be riveted the entire time. An absolute brawl for every single round of every fight. It was incredible. I think Jim Lampley called it the the fight of the decade. Like one of their fights, the fight of the decade. That was that unbelievable. Did Harold Letterman score it? Okay, Jim. I give it. <laughs> How was that? That was really good. good. Okay, Jim. I give it ten. I give ten points to uh, Arturo Gotti. I give uh, nine points to Mickey Ward. Back to you, Jim. For aggressive intentions. Right. 
All right, that was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk into any store, try out the appliances before you buy them. It's funny. I had to buy like a filter for my refrigerator today, and I went over to a big box store, and I swear every worker there was under the age of 25. There's no way I could possibly buy any type of appliance from a big box store knowing that if I go to Mountain High Appliance, I'm going to get people who have been there for a long time who really know what they're talking about. They can help you upfit your entire kitchen. They can get you something to fit your budget, and they have the best appliances to boot. Mountain High Appliance, you can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, the Avalanche are the Stanley Cup champions. They have done it now three times in franchise history. Absolutely an incredible playoff run. With that, I know we're media members, but did you kind of get caught up in it because you've been around that team all season, you got to know the players, you, you know the people in the front office. How special was it for you and why, at least this is the way it seemed to me, watching the cup celebration is unlike any cup celebration I have ever seen. We'll talk about it next. 